Welcome to Great Shot Kid, uh, the nerd party's show in which we look at the people who make Star Wars. I'm Mike. Uh, John is off on his his, uh, his wild adventure across the, the universe and all that good stuff. Uh, but with me, I have an actual person who makes Star Wars, Nick. How's it going, Nick? It's going great. I'm uh, very happy to be on board for this episode, and uh, I hope I do okay. John's shoes are are, are big shoes to fill. Um, you guys are quite a pair together, so I hope I'll do all right. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, but you know, I mean, sometimes, sometimes, you know, it's 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 just it's good for a change. Sometimes you need uh, the Ewan McGregor instead of the Alec Guinness or whatever, you know, and it's 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 all it's all. It's all good. <laughs> I, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll take being you, McGregor. That's cool. I'm, I'm all right with that. <laughs> so, so Nick, like I, I said a few seconds ago, you actually have worked on the franchise. Uh, what is it that you've done? Um, well, first, uh, I started by being a huge fan of Star Wars. <laughs> that was my first work on the on the franchise. Uh, so I consumed it uh, copiously, and then uh, I was uh, lucky enough to have my dream come true and start working at Lucasfilm in the mid-90s, early mid-90s. And uh, so as I was working my way up in editorial, I was an assistant editor on episode one, on prequels, and I was uh, uh, an editor on episode two. Um, and then I eventually, uh, I was at ILM at the time. Uh, I left ILM uh, in the early 2000s and went to the ranch and worked with uh, George Lucas and Dave Filoni on the Clone Wars. And I became one of the two editors on the Clone Wars for the entire run. Uh, so I was there for seven years uh, working with George and Dave. And uh, and then came back to ILM uh, after we wrapped up, after the, the, the sale to Disney and George retired. And uh, resumed working at ILM uh, where I was lucky to work on um the force awakens for a little bit my friend greg was the uh, the senior editor uh at ilm for the force awakens but uh, i got to fill in for him for a few weeks um while he had to go away and then after that i was lucky also to be sent to london to work on it for about a month or so um uh, towards in the last three or four months of production and uh that's the extent of my work on star wars so far that's that. That's all you've done so far. Is just like edited like seven seasons of the Clone Wars. That's all you've done. Okay, I yeah no. I mean that is uh, super super cool. You know. I mean I, I don't know. Ed- editing is like one of those things which fascinates me to no end. And you know it's it's really cool to you know talk to you. And and I I, I can't wait to talk to you about that about what it was like to edit. You know under people like Dave Filoni and, and, and George Lucas, but we'll, we'll get to that next week. You know, this week, I figure, okay, got someone who's who's worked on the franchise, you know, here and everything like that, you know, someone who's worked on the prequels and the sequels and the Clone Wars and all that stuff, and, you know, done visual effects, you know, for years and years and years, so I figured it would be a good idea to talk to you about the Book of Henry, because, you know, it's basically the same thing you know i mean it's it's uh you know effects heavy you know whatever from the director of jurassic world and all that stuff (laughs) but you know hey you know it's very strange because like i 
Well, I mean, we'll get into this, and maybe we can just get into this now. Um, Book of Henry, the reason why, you know, I wanted to talk about it on this show, and I was, you know, very, very adamant that we do, is because uh, it's directed by Colin Trevorrow, who, of course, is the director of episode nine. And it's not insignificant that he has a new movie coming out. It's not insignificant that this is what he chose to do before jumping into the franchise, you know? And, uh, you know, coming off of Jurassic World, where everyone was like, okay, that was, you know, an amazing return to greatness or whatever for the franchise, uh, you know, that franchise. And, uh, you know, after after it made, you know, $37 billion, it, you know, it, it felt to me almost like, you know, when they announced, like, he's directing episode nine, my reaction was like, yeah, I guess that makes absolute perfect sense. You know, that is the exact person who you would get because he basically, you know, did all of the things that they're hoping someone will do on episode nine. But at the same time, I was not really tremendously excited about that choice because it was so obvious, you know? I mean, when when they say, like, oh, we're getting the guys who made 22 Jump Street to make a Han Solo movie, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You know, but if you say, like, you know, I'm, I'm, we're getting, uh, you know, this guy who's, you know, worked with, with George Lucas since before Star Wars to, to come in and make a Han Solo movie, I'm like... That's, I mean, that's kind of obvious, you know. <laughs> Although I, I do, I do like Ron Howard quite a bit. You know what I mean. But my point is, here we have Colin Trevorrow doing something which is way outside the Jurassic World Episode Nine norm, and we kind of get to see him, you know, do something on his own, like left to his own devices, in a sense. And and what what is that going to be? And a lot of people have a lot of opinions about this movie. But um, I don't know. I, I, Nick, when because I, 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 I looked, I asked so many people to talk to me about this show. And they're all like, no, I, I'm not interested in that at all. I'm not interested in seeing the Book of Henry. No way. No, no, no. And when I asked you, you were like, yeah, sure. I'll see that. Gung ho. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was. It's funny because I, you know, like I remember you. You asked me, and you, and you instantly kind of said, "But if you don't want to, don't worry. It's okay. I understand." And I said, "No, I'm totally there. I, you know, I love the trailer. I mean, I, I, I I've always had a huge crush on Naomi Watts and on uh, Superman. And I guess that's that's you know outside the boundaries of of Colin Trevorrow, but then it certainly didn't didn't hurt." But but regardless of that, actually, when I first saw the trailer, I got really excited, and and I'm happy to say it's one of those times where I got excited for the same reason that I actually loved the movie, and 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 um, I had a little bit of uh, trepidation towards like right before seeing it because you know I saw the trailer, and I got really psyched for certain things about it. And then, you know, I saw the reviews and I tend to not pay too much attention or not care. I make my own opinions, but it, it was getting panned hard. And so knowing also how deceptive trailers can be, I thought, well, shoot, maybe it's one of those cases where I'm not going to see what I thought or what I wanted to see. And, and I have to say, I just, I saw exactly what I thought, hoped, and wanted to see. And, and so I got really excited on, on the way out of that movie. 
and it's it's really interesting to hear you say that. Like I had a very different sort of um backstory to this movie going into it because I've been on this kick for the past few months where I've basically just stopped watching trailers, you know. And I mean, like it's one of those things where it's like I know I'm going to go see the new Colin Trevorrow movie. Like you don't I you don't need to tell me what it's about. Like I'm it's I don't need any more convincing. So why would I essentially ruin it for myself? Uh, when I could just go into it completely blind and have, you know, in some ways, I think a more uh, rewarding experience, you know. And this is one of the first movies since I started this where I knew literally nothing about the movie going into it. And I was, you know, I had heard of the movie and everything. and, And I, you know, like I said, I was asking people and the reactions were really weird because a lot of people were saying, like, I have no interest, that movie looks terrible. But there were also a lot of people, like, for example, um, Aggressive Negotiations' Matt Rushing, who is a huge fan of Jurassic World and obviously a big Star Wars fan. I asked him, and he's like, I don't know what that movie is. I've never heard of that movie before. And I'm like, really? Like, it comes out next week. I I thought, you know, I I mean, it's so strange. And that was like the general reaction was like, what is this thing? And I'm like, wow. Because like you think about like if Ryan Johnson had a new movie coming out, like a little indie movie coming out right now, like the Internet would be on fire. You know, everyone would be looking forward to that movie so much just because it was Ryan Johnson. But Colin Trevorrow you know, even though he's made Jurassic World, which everybody saw and loved, and he's about to make episode nine, you know, he, he comes out with his little indie, and people don't even know it exists. That is it's possible. bizarre to me. You know, it's, I, I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm speculating uh, completely. Uh, I have nothing to base that on. But it's possible, you know, how, how studios do all kinds of stuff, uh, uh, screenings, test screenings, and so on right now. It's possible that the movie wasn't testing well, and that they purposefully buried any kind of effort at marketing. They might, you know, I'm sure they had already committed to release. It's not like they were going to pull the plug on the film, but if it didn't test well, and if they got scared, they might have just said, okay, we, you know, we'll let it come out. We won't advertise it. We'll let it go out of screen. And then hopefully it won't damage the studio or the director or anything. And then we can just move on to the episode. I, I'm not sure. I really don't know, but it, it could be. Because I, I do, you know, I've seen the trailer. I was aware of it. I definitely, it's because I search for stuff probably more than an average moviegoer, but they're definitely, I don't remember seeing a lot of promotional stuff out there. Like I, I didn't, the trailer didn't happen to run at the head of another movie. I had to seek it out on, on YouTube. Um, and uh, while I, I don't really watch any more live TV, so I couldn't really say that it did or didn't play on TV. But what little I do watch of, of live TV still, I didn't see that play at the head of anything on TV either. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know to what extent it was a concerted effort to bury the film or whether people just ignored it for reasons X, Y, Z. I'm not sure. Um, but it's one of those, and I have to say that, and maybe at the risk of sounding a little snobbish, or uh, I do kind of like the fact that that um, it's one of those movies that kind of avoided detection, and 
I don't, it's not, I, I won't go as, as far as, as, oh, I'm, I'm happy it didn't do well because then now I, I enjoy the fact that I like it even more. No, I, I wish it, it was doing better or that it had gotten less bad reviews, but, um, but I, I kind of like when there are these movies that, um, that don't necessarily tick all the boxes, you know, check all the boxes of the prerequisite uh, ready-made um, uh, big film or, or, or big public film. And, and in fact, I do think that from my perspective, it's probably some of the reasons why um, for those few who have seen it, um, some things aren't, aren't maybe registering well with the, the greater, you know, um, the greater movie going public. Uh, it, it's definitely well to begin with it's it's not a prequel it's not a sequel it's not a remake it's not a reboot it's not a reimagining it's you know there's no superheroes um so what is it i yeah. don't understand no i mean that's that's definitely true you know it, it is definitely like a smaller movie um and you know because of that obviously it's not going to be you know it's not going to have the exposure of you know things like jurassic world uh but um yeah, I mean, it, it was weird because, like, I, I had stayed, like, basically completely spoiler-free. I mean, not compl- I mean, not basically. Like, I knew literally nothing about this movie going into it. But the morning of the release, you know, when the reviews were released, you know, you couldn't help but see them all over the Internet. And they were all talking about how epically bad it was. And that certainly colored my, you know, my viewing of it. Because the whole time I was watching it, I kept on thinking, like is this what they're talking about? Like, I mean, it's a bit sappy or something, but I would, I mean, there's, this is not, you know, super duper terrible. And then there's the twist. And I don't really want to get, because to me, I mean, part of the joy of watching this movie, and they've they've kind of hidden it in the trailer a bit. They skip over like a thing in the middle, kind of. Yep, yep, yep. But, you know, I don't want to, uh, uh, give away too much about the plot because to me part of the joy or most of the joy of watching this movie is seeing where it goes because it goes to some super crazy places you know things that you would never expect i mean this this is in the in the trailer but there at the start of this movie like when the credits were rolling if you would have told me that at some point in this movie like Naomi Watts would be holding like a sniper rifle with like a silencer on the end of it. I would have said, you are insane, you know, and yet that's here. And I think that's what people are responding to. I think they're, I mean, we talk a lot about this, you know, gear shift movies, you know, movies like Psycho or From Dusk Till Dawn, which, you know, take a hard turn halfway through and become essentially a different movie. And and this movie, I think, falls into that category. And I, I love movies like that. And I think that it's really throwing people off because it takes a few of those turns and they're all in very, very weird and extreme directions. And Yeah, you know, I, 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 I completely agree with you. I think that there's the, the two things you, you noted on definitely play a huge part. One, that, the twist, um, if we and it, it, it is a twist, but I have a hard time calling it that because, and that's my own sort of biases. Um, I, I I haven't, I don't have anything inherently against twists, but I've learned to be irritated by twists because, in my opinion, in recent years, 
they've been tacked on more and more, more and more as a prerequisite screenwriting formula. We have to have, you know, uh, a twist and then it became, oh, we have to do better than the last big summer temple. We have to have two twists and now it's, we have to have three twists. And, you know, it's, it's become kind of the same joke as like the number of villains you need to have in the, in the film. And, and, um, and so that kind of then built up this irritation I have. But, but the thing is, before that, I never had a problem as long as, like anything in my opinion, as it's motivated by the story. And the reason why, I mean, it is a twist, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't categorize it in the same place as some of the more recent ones in other movies, small or big, because in my opinion, it's at least when I saw the movie, it felt to me as crazy as it was, and it is, um, it felt like it belonged in the way, whether you like it or not, I, 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 even if I hadn't liked the movie, I wouldn't have dinged for it because for the story he wanted to say he wanted to tell and the way he wanted to tell it it felt like it completely belonged in that story it wasn't something it wasn't a device that that had been thrown in because oh guess what we had we, we got to have a twist by minute 45 you know and so and so that made me you know for me it had i think the adverse effect that that i think it had for a lot of people which is that it made me respond to it positively and the other thing you mentioned on is the sappiness it is for sure. And I, I won't even try to deny it because it, it's there. It is a corny movie. Mm -hmm. But that is actually, again, part of what I loved about it. Um, and in my opinion, again, like the twist, and, you know, there's a million factors, completely subjective, that, that can contribute to why you like or don't like a movie. A movie can be done exactly the way it's meant to. And depending on your mood, the time of day, the temperature or whatever, you might you might go along or you might just not be engaged. And, and so I'll complete somebody who doesn't like it for the corniness. I, I'll respect that. But for me, you know, based on the trailer, I expected to see um, a movie, the kind of movie that was made um, when I was a kid between 1976 and 1984, 1985 in a good way. You know, not one of those, again, not one of those, oh, nostalgia grabbing, like, oh, it's the gimmick, you know, retro is hot right now. So I'm going to throw in, you know, the Stranger Things thing. And I, and I like Stranger Things a lot, but, you know, where you're, you're, you're consciously saying, okay, well, we got to appeal to that aging demographic because we're, we're giving them a shot reliving their childhood. You know, because the movie is not set in 1982 or 83, the way that Stranger Things is set. You know, it's, it's contemporary, but there's a feel to it from the way it's shot, the color, the desaturation, um, uh, for, from, you know, the music, the choice in certain props, you know, um, I love the fact that, that Naomi Watts, she has these like modern iPhone, um, headphones, but she's listening to this, this cassette on an old, on an old, you know, recorder, tape recorder. Um, she drives an old Volvo. And those are like subtle things which, you know, contribute to create. And, and again, the, even the story, the way the story is told, yes, it's corny, but in a way that felt motivated, intentional, and appropriate. And, and I was like, for, for, the, for the subject matter, the message he's trying to, 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 to put out, and again, you may like it or not like it, but he's, he's, his choices are the right choices. Clearly, the, the, the larger, you know, whoever saw the movie, you know, large portion didn't respond. But I, I would say he still made the right choices. And, and 
what I liked is it felt like they were his personal choices. And I thought that was, that, that made me really feel um, excited. One, one of the reasons why it made me feel excited about him, you know, going into episode nine after this. Yeah, it, it's interesting, you know, with the day that it came out, you know, that night, um, uh, a film critic, Todd Gilchrist, uh, was on Twitter. And, you know, he said, hey, I haven't seen Book of Henry, you know, but for all these people who are, you know, worried that episode nine is doomed because of it, you know, the question that I have is, you know, as, you know, crazy or terrible or whatever, you know, insane off the wall that this movie is, how is the direction like does he direct the hell out of it or is the direction the problem you know and that was like a really interesting question to me and it it really made me sort of like think about the movie in that light and I mean the direction is good like he has the script and he's directing it to the best of his ability to to the you know the best way anyone could direct this script you know i i don't see a way aside from you know changing what is in the script of 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 making a better movie than the one that he makes there's definitely you know like you're saying a lot of sappy stuff a lot of corny stuff in it and i think personally that that's a problem that stuff doesn't work for me but um you know the stuff that that's in it that does work for me i think is is really interesting even if it fails to, to some degree um you know like like you were saying with the twist and how it didn't feel forced like it does in some other movies i think the difference there there's two things first off as far as the movie is concerned it's not a twist you know like i i really get the impression that you know the people making the movie thought that this was just the logical progression of events you know and it's only when you step back and look at it as like kind of like a whole and maybe you're playing your expectations off of, you know, what the the movie actually is. And that's when it feels like a twist. You know, I mean, I would still consider it to be a twist myself because, you know, the 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 sort of like, you know, um, motivations of the plot and the characters and everything are completely changed. You know, so in that sense, I do think it is a twist, but it's it's not like a, an M. Night Shyamalan twist. It's it's more of a, uh, you know, um, just, just sort of like your general gear shift movie like uh what's it called sun sunrise that that uh whatever anyway doesn't matter um so so there's that thing but the other thing about it which i think is very bizarre and i think maybe this is the thing which i like most about it is um and and i've said this a few times it it reminds me a lot of a tyler perry movie in that it's absolutely crazy like the stuff in here is off the wall insane the craziest stuff you'll ever see in a movie and yet everyone treats it as if it's completely normal like this is just like of course of course she's you know i I was gonna say the 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 end of course she's gonna of course she's gonna do that thing at the end of the movie you know i mean and (laughs) it's this thing it's this thing where 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 it's like you said it's this crazy thing and it becomes and this is kind of what reminded me also about the movies, you know, from from the, the time I mentioned, you know, movies like The Goonies or, or Gremlins, where you, you do have these elements that are completely 
if you if you stop to think about it, really just absurd, right? But but it's set up in it, in the world of that story. It kind of has almost that Stephen King you know flavor also of in the world of the story. It makes perfect sense and it's treated you know completely naturally and so then because it makes sense to the characters in their world it's just it, you go along with the adventure right and it's, it it, hark, it, re, it reminds me of, of one of the one of the tenets one of the rules that george um taught us when he was teaching us how to how to make the clone wars where he he said it's very simple and it's so simple that after that you kind of slap your your you know you palm your your head going why didn't i think of it where he said you know we hit this problem time and time again and and he told us you know the, the reason why is because you're 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 not trying you're you're basically setting up the thing that needs to happen on, on page 19 on page 19 and it's such a big thing because we are in this science fiction world that by the time it happens and it's just people are finding out that needs to happen at the time it happens now they have to digest the enormity of the idea at this at the time it's happening and he said, you know, the, the, the way it works in those types of situations for those premises is people will believe anything that's going to happen on page 19 if you tell them that it's possible on page four. Yeah. And, and I guess that's the thing, you know, is uh, if like I, th this is this is something which I, I thought about. I've been thinking about this a lot since seeing the movie and looking at it sort of in different contexts and and trying to sort of wrap my head around it. I was watching Jurassic World the other night, partially for this and partially because I haven't seen it since the theater. And um, I kept on thinking, like, if this plot, this this basic plot, was not in suburbia with, you know, just a, a bunch of people who could very well live next door to you, but instead was in a fantasy world where, let's say, there were dinosaurs or mutants. You know, I mean, that was the thing that I kept on coming back to, like, if this was an X-Men story, like, and, and, and you have, like, all of the beats, you know, and all of the character motivations that are in this movie just set in a world with, say, superheroes, would it seem like a crazy movie? Right, and, you're, you're absolutely I, right. I don't. I don't think it would. You know. Yeah. Or, or or think about it. Even if it was a like a fantasy world, and you have the Naomi Watts character, more kind of like a Snow White, uh, who lives in the, in you know in this forest or whatever, and then you have the next door neighbor who who's kind of maybe you know, hint, hinted at as some sort of sorcerer kind of thing, and all of a sudden people would would be like, oh, okay, yeah, of course, what needs to happen needs to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, 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 and I, I, I think it's, it's, it's part of the consistency also. And, and I think this is where in, in the world of this story, though, you know, because again, if you go back and, and analyze it, what needs to happen and to, to go back to what, you know, to that lesson that George taught us, even though it kind of escalates and, and it's spelled out more clearly as you go on and then it's thrust onto kind of a path. Um, you get the sense that the pieces are moved on the board and pretty clearly and pretty early in the movie you're told even though it's it, it is you're told without words at first but you're still toward told in in visuals that are very very clearly understandable by an audience who is who and who is doing what like within 10 minutes of the movie you already have an idea of of who the protagonists are and who are supposed to root for and who has something bad coming to them, kind of, you know, on some level. And, and 
and again, it becomes more and more clearly delineated, and then it kind of actually it, it's it's actualized to a certain degree. But but you're kind of you're kind of told the, the rules very early on, and I think that that that's what makes it that's what makes it work for me. The other thing, you know, to go to your point about the twist and what makes it a twist but is not a twist is that yes, there is somewhat you see it's not even a reveal there is a change a gear shift you, you put it very well but at the same time if you think about it um the central catalyst of the story doesn't really change there is a character named henry and that we're not spoiling anything by saying you know in the beginning again within like the first two or three opening scenes that's what that does it tells us that this character is kind of like a gel a glue that makes every other character, it's sort of, in a way he defines all the other characters' lives, right? And that idea never changes throughout the film. All the way to the end, you know, regardless of the gear shift, this kind of like crest that we hit, we're still on that arc that this, this character, who Henry is and what he does and what he is to those people is what kind of brings them together, together defines their orbits and, and their arcs. And so in that sense, it's not like that Shyamalan thing of like, oh, you thought it was, it was a certain way, but then we shift the perspective and actually everything was upside down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, it's just, it's what, I th- yeah, I mean, what's throwing people off, I think, is that it is presented so straight. You know, it is presented like this it it could happen in our reality and i think that people just have have trouble reconciling those two things and yet those two things are like you know clashing are that's the type of thing that gets me like really excited about movies you know when there is sort of like something which is very very strange out of nowhere applied to something else which you know where, where it feels like it, it doesn't belong you know I, I i absolutely love that stuff and you know ultimately like i don't think that this is a good movie because i think that the story which they're telling is is kind of dumb <laughs> and and you know I, I i don't like respond to any of the characters i don't have any emotional attachment to them i didn't come out you know like moved by this or anything like that and yet i was absolutely fascinated by the choices which were made and the reason why those choices were made and, you know, sort of like the the way that they were presented. And it really kind of made me sad, I guess, how, how, like, I don't, I think that I, in some ways, I almost feel like the, the people who are, are like hating on this movie are sort of like misplacing their aggression. I'm not saying that they should like it, but what I'm saying is like they're, you know, basically just coming out as saying this thing is like absolute garbage and doesn't know what it's doing. Whereas I, I think that it does know what it's doing. It's just, it's just being really, really weird. And I really, really hope that this does not discourage Trevorrow from doing weird things in the future. Because while this was, in my opinion, a failure, I, I, I would almost rather have this than something safe, like let's say Jurassic World 2, because I feel like if he keeps on trying to do things like this, sooner or later he's going to make something which is amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And, and I think that, you know, 
while okay like let's let's talk about this one about the book of henry for a second and then, then i'll touch on jurassic world for for another second but you know you and i felt differently about the film but where we agree is your perception you know your ability to discern the fact or to separate the fact that you didn't like the movie from the fact that the director accomplished what he was setting out to do and and you know respect him for that and i think in a way that's understandable you know i can't really fault the average movie goer you know they shouldn't be held necessarily to that responsibility i wish i wish people could but you know i understand but that but i think that most most people who are panning the movie had the same reaction probably didn't like it for a lot of the same reasons they might not they prob probably are not going to be able to articulate them as well as as you but and where it gets even more confused is they're not going to be able to walk out and say well it's not necessarily the movie's fault as in you know the filmmaker and the filmmakers behind it it's just that that movie is not for me it's not it's not it's not that that idea that story the way it's told doesn't work for me they they told it well and there's a difference between a, a movie that you don't like that that is done well but that you don't like and one that you don't like because and i think you can sometimes you can put it to taste but sometimes that's like that but then you can also there are movies which you can change you can honestly say arguably i can say this is garbage this is trash this is just not well done they either didn't try or they didn't care or they tried and failed um so you know in this case they probably won't be able to but i i completely agree i i i don't i think that actually i'm not worried about episode nine because i think that and we can talk about that but a lot of, of the a lot of what i see in that film um combined with the fact that whether I liked it or not, clearly he's shown that he can also execute big films, combined with what I think, and this is purely as a fan, not as somebody who's within Lucasfilm, what I think um, the story group and Lucasfilm and Kathy Kennedy need and want in the directors who execute um, the Star Wars films that they're producing, I think that episode nine is in as good hands as it can be especially considering that it's the film that's going to deliver the conclusion of that trilogy and yes there's a lot riding on the conclusion you have to like land the plane safely but at the same time you come in when you have a lot of things already set up for you the look the tone the characters you know you 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 do have, and this is not to say again this is not to, to say that the job is easier for him or that it requires less skill but I think that if you look at all that and combine combine it with certain aspects of this film and this kind of nostalgia, this old-fashioned sense of filmmaking, there are, there's even things about about Book of Henry that reminded me. There's a lot of ton of stuff that reminded me of you know films from the 70s and early 80s. But there's actually certain things about the characters that reminded me of older films, and which is what made me respond to it really well. Um, I loved. See, even in smaller roles, I thought the casting was very well done. Naomi Watts has something that's very old-fashioned to her. Probably one of the reasons why I've always had a big crush on her. You know, she reminds me in some ways of, of kind of a Grace Kelly-like quality. You know, Lee Pace has a, has a smaller role in the film. But there's something very, he's not at all the, the action-y, super buff, you know, young guy you're going to cast in, in, in movies, you know, he, he reminds me more of a Cary Grant, 
Jimmy Stewart type of leading man, you know. Um, and I, and all these I thought were deliberate, like tasteful choices. Um, so based on that, and and the fact that you know he made this hugely successful film with with uh, Jurassic World, I don't think we have to worry. I personally don't think we have to worry for Episode Nine. Like you said, though, I do hope that when he moves past that. He will have the courage, the ability, the desire to want to do other films, not necessarily like Book of Henry, but whatever tickles his fancy at the time. Um, because I'd rather, personally, I, you know, I'd rather see him do this, even if it's one that I don't like because of that particular genre or whatever that he picks, than something like Jurassic World, which I'm really happy for the fact that it succeeded the way it did and it gave him the opportunity to, to move forward. But that to me was what you, you know, when you said playing it safe, it was a very, very, very safe movie from, from, from every, every angle I try to come at it. And, and I actually worked on it for a little while. And, and, and while I was working on it, I, I could see it. And, and again, it's, you don't blame really any one individual, the director or the writer or even the studio, because, you know, these movies are machines that are a million components. And by the time you realize what's happening, you go, oh, okay, it's going to be one of those where, <laughs> you know, they just have to check all the boxes. And, uh, and uh, you know, that's, that's to, as a, as a older movie fan, it kind of, it's not for me because I've seen those safe movies so many times that, you know, I, I check out. Yeah, I mean, like I, I, I enjoyed Jurassic World when I first saw it, but it, it was also one of those things where I kept on, like, the more I thought about it, basically, the less I thought about it, you know, in, in a sense. And I was just like, it, it really is, you know, kind of um, just a- after, you know, Lost World, which you know people apparently didn't like. I mean, I don't know. I thought it was amazing, but that's just me. And then, <laughs> good. All right. Cool. It's easily the best of the Jurassic Park movies, no doubt. You know, and then Jurassic Park 3, which, you know, yeah, had some issues. And, you know, 20 years passing and all that stuff. I can totally see why, you know, the studio and everybody, you know, in, in a lot of ways and as a way of preserving, you know, the franchise, were like, we need to get back to basics. We need to do all the things that the original did in, in a very similar way that, uh, Force Awakens did, you know, when you think about it. I, I don't think that, I think Force Awakens added a lot to the mythology as well, in, 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 unlike Jurassic World. But like watching Jurassic World again last night, or not last, a few nights ago, doesn't matter. Um, watching Jurassic World again recently, um, like I really did enjoy it, you know? I mean, it's it's a very enjoyable movie. It does check all the boxes, but they're boxes which I like to see checked. And you know, the thing which, you know, kind of didn't like scare me with, with, you know, Trevorrow uh, being hired for episode nine, but it kind of disappointed me was the fact that all of those boxes were just checked very, very thoroughly. And he didn't go outside of any of those boxes really. And it really just kind of said like, okay, I know that episode nine is going to be good. You know, but I don't, it, there's nothing about it which is, you know, going to make me excited, you know, for that. And Safety Not Guaranteed, uh, have you seen that one? His original, no. his first movie? Mm-hmm. 
check it out. I mean, especially, you know, if you like Book of Henry, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Obviously, much smaller. But I mean, it's bizarre in that it's like this indie movie in which a guy may or may not be building a time machine. You know, I mean, that's that's basically the premise. And uh, that's that's weird, you know, and, and it works. But at the same time, it didn't, you know, like elevate Trevorrow in my mind to a level where it's like, I want to see this guy make a Star Wars movie. This movie, even though I think it is by far his worst movie, it is easily the one which makes me most excited about him directing episode nine because like you said you know jurassic world demonstrates that he definitely can handle the scale he definitely can be reverent to the source material or or the franchise or whatever you want to call it and yet book of henry suggests to me that he's willing to do something weird and crazy and you know I mean, anyone who's, you know, worried about episode nine after Book of Henry, I think a lot of those people haven't seen Book of Henry. I think they're just going off of word of mouth. But I also think that, you know, maybe if you if you haven't seen it, check it out. And even if you don't like it, maybe you'll see that it'll be okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, I I would I would encourage people, you know, if, if there's anyone out there who our voices reached. Um, what I would say is exactly that is, is don't panic, first of all. Um, and I would say, you know, no one is asking you, no one is trying to convince you that Book of Henry is a masterpiece. Um, you may like it, you may hate it. That, that's totally fine. But if you watch it, and even if you don't like it, like you, basically, um, just appreciate the fact that it is a movie that is well made from the from the standpoint that it achieves what it's set out to achieve now that may not that may not be at all what you wanted what you expected etc but at, but you know they made a plan and what they got at the end of the day was it was it looks like to me it feels to me what they wanted to do and so that should that is what should reassure you for episode nine because their vision and their plan is something that you may hate and you may say okay that's well, really not my my cup of tea but if you like star wars what this guy proved to you here is that once once the plan is made, he can execute it. And you know, it's safe to say, and that and I mean that as a good thing in this particular case, especially if if you're someone who who didn't respond to his personal plan for Book of Henry, that when it comes to Star Wars in Episode Nine, hopefully I, I do hope he can bring some of his aesthetic and his choices, but that the plan he he's not going to be solely in charge of the plan. He's not going to be the lead actor even of, of, of the plan. You know, I think that, that um, my perception, and again, this is kind of as, as a professional, but as a fan, you know, just outside of, of me working within is that it feels to me like the way that the, the, the Star Wars film production is being orchestrated, built up, um, feels to me as the pattern develops more like what I see in the realm of TV where there are executives who are really the top creatives, they're the showrunners, and they're the ones deciding from the ground, you know, what they want the story to be. They're the ones deciding what the aesthetic, the tone should be. They're the ones who are going to be involved in the pre-production, production, and post-production. And then they find the right people along the way to execute that vision. And I feel like this is what this is what's happening with Star Wars, which makes sense. I mean, if you think about it, back then, 
And I remember before we even found out about the sale, and I, I believe all that is public, you know, George told us, and I think this is the same information that got relayed, you know, I am handing the keys to the castle to Kathy, and I want her to make her movies. So she's going to make her movies. This yeah. is what she's done. You know, if you, if you go back to 1982, all the way to 2017, she has her name on pretty much every, every one of the biggest films in, in the business. So she's proven that she can, she can bring these babies home. And at this point, she gets to make the movies she wants to make. So, so the plan's going to be laid out. And then you have, I think, someone in Colin Trevor who hopefully, again, can have a voice. And I hope that, you know, he, he, can, he, can, he can express it, but also has proven that he can bring home, bring home the baby and, and execute the plan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kennedy is really like one of only like, what, like two or three people like in the world who could, who could do this job. And, you know, I mean, definitely... And I mean, hey, you know, so far, you know, two movies in, I mean, the results, you know, speak for themselves. So, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know, Book of Henry, as strange as it sounds, puts me a lot more, I'm not saying that my mind was not at ease regarding episode nine, but it makes me a lot more excited to be, to see episode nine than, than I have been in the past. And, uh, you know, I mean, the other thing about it is, you know, Trevorrow, he, he's got his crew, which he's he's started with working with on, on Jurassic World, and he's bringing them through this all the way to episode nine with like John Schwartzman, who's one of my all-time favorite cinematographers, and, and Kevin Stitt, who's done a bunch of amazing movies as his editor and everything. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see them get to play in the, in the star Wars universe as well. So, yeah, I, I agree. I, I loved, I love the cinematography in, uh, in book of Henry. And, you know, on the one hand, it's very simple. You could say, because the movie is much smaller and, and the Vista that it, that it shows is much smaller, but at the same time, aesthetic is aesthetic. And whether you're shooting, you know, um, the homestead on Tatooine, or whether you're shooting a huge a huge vista, it makes no difference. And when you look at, again, even the smaller intimate moments on on Star Wars, they're as beautiful as the big ones. So so uh, looking at the Book of Henry, I was really 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 in love with with the way that the uh, that the visuals played out, um, and that gets me really excited for for um, what he's going to do and, and the ability also for it to be to have a little bit of its own hopefully aesthetic, just like the original trilogy. You know, each yeah. movie had a different aesthetic and and I hope that that that, that translates as well. I I think it will. I mean, you know, Force Awakens definitely looked like a J.J. Abrams movie. It definitely looked like a Star Wars movie, but it looked like a Star Wars movie directed by Abrams and from the, you know, two minutes that we've seen of, of, what's it called? Last Jedi, episode eight. Um, You know, that definitely seems to have a bit of a Ryan Johnson feel to it. And yeah, so I mean, I can only imagine. So and apparently he's shooting. I, 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 no one's said f- like flat out. I don't know if he's shooting the entire movie in seventy millimeter or just portions of it. But whatever it is, hey, I mean that's cool to see some Star Wars in seventy millimeter. You know, so so yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Nick. I, I really appreciate it. You know, this is a, a great conversation and and a very interesting perspective on the whole thing. Um, and yeah, uh, if, if, if you, if, if, if listeners have seen, uh, book of Henry 
and want to give us their thoughts, uh, head on over to uh, Facebook and find uh, the Nerd Party, or hit us up on Twitter at Join Nerd Party, or or uh, you know send us a, a message via our our website. And uh, you know we 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 love to hear what what you think about about Book of Henry and about Trevorrow directing Episode Nine for sure. So um, yeah, that's that's it for this week. Uh, next week we will be back with Nick to take a look at some of the stuff which he has done specifically in the Clone Wars and uh, you know what he has learned along the way from uh, the masters like George Lucas and Dave yes, Filoni. I am, I am refusing to go away. I'm inviting myself over. And <laughs> you can stay <laughs> for as long as you want, you know? I mean, we, you know, you. We, we love having you here. So thank you very much for, for joining me again. You know, I really, really appreciate it. That was my pleasure, my pleasure. I've, like I, I've told you, you know, off mic before we started, I've been listening to your podcasts on the Nerd Party, on Trek FM, and, and, uh, and you know, in the uh, commentary, uh, track that you're doing with that with uh, Max and and I really really um, enjoy your your show so it's, yeah. it's my pleasure to, to and anytime you say that like like you you sent me a message like a few weeks ago where you're like oh I'm at work listening to you guys talk about Jason X and I'm you know laughing and I keep on thinking like okay that that's so bizarre to me that you know some guy you know at the ranch or wherever is like listening to me saying something like about jason x while working on whatever new blockbuster it is you know and i'm wondering if you know as an editor like are are, are you gonna because i say something like hit that space bar just like one twenty-fourth of a second later and there's gonna be an extra frame in that big massive blockbuster because somebody working on the movie was listening to jason x while working on it no. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, when there's a, when there's a, when, uh, when the next, when the show I'm working on now comes out, and if there's a retime that's screwed up that doesn't work, I'll say, see that? I missed that because, because you guys with your stupid jokes made me laugh. <laughs> so you can watch that and take credit for that, for that, that bad motion effect or something. I, I'll, I will do that for sure. I will, and then that'll make me very happy. So, yeah, thank, thank you very much for listening, and, and thanks for joining me today. I really do appreciate it. All right, so yeah, uh, be sure to tune in uh, next week to, to hear some talk about some Star Wars editing.